the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
Welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour, as promised, is the uh, former mayor of uh, Menlo Park, California. And uh, she's written a book that uh, sounds like it's a lot of fun. It's called Politics, Police, and Other Earthling Antics, in which she channels her inner alien. She joins me now by phone. Um, Mickey Winkler is her name. Mickey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Hi. Good Hi. to be here. Um, channeling your, your inner alien, I'm fascinated by that. Um, what, what made you want to write this book and, and from that vantage point? It's kind of an escape mechanism. <laughs> you know, especially, for example, looking at this election, it's so painful to look, to be inside it, but looking at it from an alien perspective, that's a lot of fun. Well, it 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 tickled me because uh, a, a very few years ago, I interviewed three sitting mayors in my uh-huh. hometown of Flint, Michigan, um, in the same calendar year. <laughs> And and you know how funny that is and how unusual that is. And I I used to joke that if if an alien were to land on Saginaw Street, the main drag through downtown Flint, and walk up to a citizen and say, take me to your leader, they would just stand there and shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> And and so I I, th- I thought this was kind of interesting. But how did politics and police make it into the title? How did it not just end up being Earthling antics? Well, there's there's a lot about politics and police in the book, and um, my my publisher sort of sort of thought that was a good idea to emphasize. There's, <laughs> I mean, politics and police are so much in the news and so fascinating shall we say but a lot of the a lot of what's been written about the book uh, makes it sound like it's it's funny but what's funny about politics and police i mean i know there's a lot that's funny about politics but Uh, you know like i've taken one story which is about called the naked cop a bedtime story, <laughs> and I, <laughs> the naked cop was a, a a real cop in Menlo Park. He was um, he was discovered on duty 
with a prostitute. The police who were investigating the prostitute discovered him by coming into the apartment and finding this guy naked. They didn't know he was a policeman until they finally checked his credentials. And the grandmother is telling her granddaughter about this incident. And so it's from that perspective, it's, <laughs> it's really very funny. There are a lot of other uh, stories that involve police taken from a comic perspective. Well, and, and you remarked that, um, that you actually, when you were being sworn in as mayor, you actually laughed on the microphone during your swearing-in ceremony when they told you you were supposed to uphold the Constitution. Yeah, but not the U.S. Constitution. It was the, the U.S. California. Constitution. Yes, and the California Constitution is one muddled piece of writing that nobody has ever read. <laughs> and so we were swearing to uphold this bizarre document against all sworn enemies. Well, <laughs> you, were, you were born in New York, but you yes. lived a lot of places before ending up in California. I did. I lived in uh, lots of... I lived in Turkey and China and Russia and um, Thailand, and I lived in seven uh, cities stateside as well. And so you, I got, yeah. you taught English, you worked in advertising, you did all kinds of things. How did you end up in politics in Menlo Park? Well, it was sort of a mistake. <laughs> I, was <supposed> to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was supposed to go on a bike trip and we had to cancel that because my husband... <laughs> and, um, and so we had to cancel that because... I'm sorry because my husband was sick, and I got recruited by two people looking for a third person to run on a site. And um, so that's how I got into it. But um, getting out of it was pretty easy. I was voted out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you even commented, in, in fact, uh, you point out that, you know, it's easy to do the right thing when you're not worried about getting reelected. Right, right. That is one dangerous politician, the politician who's not up for re-election. And, um, yeah, so we got a lot done once that, uh, once that, this, once the voters made that decision. <laughs> well, you, were, you served on the city council first and then yes. became mayor. Is that one of those things where the mayor is elected by the council, or is it a citywide election for mayor? It's a council election. Okay. So the mayor doesn't have that much. The mayor doesn't really have individual power. Um, um, is there a president of the council, or does the mayor fill that role? That's the role of the mayor, right. And you're elected by your fellow council members. And, you know, it's mostly a rotating thing. And, you know, we in California, it's just one very bizarre state. And um, 
you know, we've done, I think this is true in other states as well, but, you know, we've done everything to limit the amount of influence that the, that the elected officials have because they're rotating, because they're term limited, so that the powers like the, the unions and the other, other entrenched powers become much more powerful because they hang on year after year, whereas the legislators rotate in and out. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, in, in California, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about the visitations you folks have had in Flint, Michigan. We have only had one presidential, presidential candidate show up in our state. <laughs> As, we are a one-party state, and there's there's no doubt about which what's going to happen here uh, on election day. Uh, it's a pretty pretty bizarre state to live in. Well, I lived out there for a year, but oh, that's yeah? that's not <clears throat> not quite the same as as being there for multiple campaign cycles um mickey i have to take a break here can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more about the book and yes and uh, i'd love to hear about your experience in california too. <laughs> <laughs> oh it was uh oh, the beginning of the end in many ways um <laughs> but we'll talk about that and a lot more with uh writer and uh, former mayor mickey winkler author of uh, the book Politics, Police, and Other Earthling Antics. After we let our broadcast partners uh, squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break, they are WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, and uh, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. And for those of you streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. 
Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsi flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. <laughs> Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This, uh, my guest this hour is the author of a uh, book called Politics, Police, and Other Earthling Antics, um, in which she channels her uh, inner alien and, and views the uh, unusual antics of uh, people here in the U.S. and on Earth. Um, she is uh, a former mayor of Menlo Park, California, and uh, a, a, a very gifted writer. Her name is Mickey Winkler, and she joins me by phone. Mickey, uh, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. You bet. Um when did you notice that uh, Earthlings were a little quirky? Um, have you always observed that, or was that something that came into uh, sharper focus when you got a look inside politics? It came into a lot sharper focus via politics. And from living in different places in the world, I got to see all these different worldviews and looking down on things from an outer perspective, you know, not just realizing that our 
that our culture is our culture and that there are other cultures in this world as well. Was was there a, a specific moment or um, a, a particular event that that caused you to think all you can do is laugh? Well, yeah, lots of lots of events come come to mind in that respect. You know, just as I you mentioned that I was born in New York and I was considered a New York liberal, and I was a New York liberal. And then I go to the South, and I realize that I'm a damned Yankee, and I come to California, and I realize that I'm a conservative. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's all the events in my life have sort of conspired to give me this out of... Out of um, out of life experience, and uh, I was just looking at this um, one one piece in my book called the uh, New Orleans Saints, and I and with a, with a big question mark after the word saints, <clears throat> and I'm thinking about the um, renaming mania in the states um, again from a from an alien perspective and. And hearing a rumor that the um, the church wants the New Orleans Saints to change its name because they don't view the brutal football antics as saint-like. They view it as brutal. And I wonder, you know, will the Saints, will the New Orleans citizens be will have allegiance to their Catholic church or will they have more allegiance to their football team? And that's a, <laughs> another that's another conflict um that is really funny from a from an alien perspective. Well what a, what about the whole nature of being politically correct? Do you think people are just uh too um have become too sensitive? I think so. I think that in, uh, I had a friend visiting from New York and he called California a fascist leftist state because if you express what you're thinking, you will be, you will encounter a lot of silence. <laughs> I, how do you find, how do you find the funny, Mickey? Because people are so easily offended. Yeah, no, that, it, it's a problem, and um, you know, I'm I'm going to pay the price for it here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, you know, California, as I said, you know, we're a one-party state here, and um, we brag, for example, about how we're going to have all our cars be electric by 2035 and we're going to have zero carbon emissions. And yet we have just donated 90 metric tons of carbon dioxide to the United States via our forest fires, which we are doing nothing to prevent. You know, and um, so the hypocrisy of that really, really gets to me. Um, and I... 
you know, I mourn, I mourn for our state, but it's, you gotta, you gotta admit that there's a certain humor to it, right? Well, yeah, especially when you have, um, you know, a president who thinks it can be solved by raking the leaves. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not going to happen. We need, a, you know, I worked in the Western Forestry Center in um, Portland, Oregon, and the foresters there knew, you know, 60 years ago that what we need to do in order to prevent forest fires. In fact, the, our ancestors who moved here knew what to do in order to prevent forest fires. And it just hasn't happened yet. And it's like the worst pollutant. It's the worst pollutant, I think, in the States, these forest fires. And they can be prevented. And um, so, but our legislature didn't quite get around to that this year. So, so you know, so it's not, it's not just climate change that, Climate change has really contributed to the problem. There's no doubt about that. But we're not doing anything to prevent it either. And, you know, I had to cancel interviews because I've been in power outages here. You know, in, in, in our zeal to cut carbon emissions, we shut down power, power plants and we can't supply um, electricity to our citizens in this technologically phenomenal state so and there's and and yet you're a failed vegetarian yeah so that's that's a that's a fun situation in which i tried to grow an organic garden (laughs) and it became pretty much of a disaster pretty quickly (laughs) (laughs) but uh um that, that that was a personal experience, which I shared with someone else, actually, that is just silly and spoofy and fun. Um, <clears throat> in, the, uh, in the book, you have uh, a lot of insights into policing and body cams. Yes. Um, and, and what are your thoughts about that? Is that, is that something that's, that's helping? Is it... What what are your thoughts, Mickey? Well, I think that, you know, body cams are really great when you turn them on. <laughs> but there are so many instances, and including an instance in Menlo Park that I didn't write about, where the body cams were mysteriously off in a really crunchy type, uh, murder-type situations. So, um, the, you know, I mean, that's... It's easy to make. One of my stories called The Body Cam for Billy. Um, this kid wants a body cam because he's going to go around and report on all the things that are happening in the world, and his mother talks him out of it because they, they're expensive and they don't work. That's her experience. They don't work because she's read all these incidents around the states where they seem to fail at the most at the most serious moments. But you, ser- you served on a city council and, and yes. uh, oversaw some of the things that, uh, that are involved in, in overseeing a city police department. Um, 
What do you think when you hear people talking about defunding the police? Um, how does that, that, what's the definition of that phrase for you? And, and do you think there should be changes to the way we police? I, I don't think we should defund the police. I think, um, you know, there's this, there's this process called virtual training that Walmart and a, lo- a lot of uh, big firms use. And you can train people to be in a situation, in a fake situation, but it's very, very real. And you can train people to understand and become sensitive the situation that they're in. And I think that would be a wonderful addition to the kind of training that the police get. Uh, so that, that the problem, I think, with the police is that um, they often, they're not sensitive to the situations they're in. And we've had experiences in this, Palo Alto, like one of the most liberal states in the in a world where um, we have a policeman beating up on a gay Latino on tape, and it's not because he didn't have a body cam, but the but the person who was getting who got beaten had uh, cameras around his property, and so everything was recorded, and we got to see how how brutal this policeman was, how other policemen stood by and watched, and how this guy was never prosecuted. It, is so, that a, is, do you think that's a systemic problem, or is it um, something where, as, as the president says, bad apples can be weeded out? No, I think it is a systemic problem. And I think the problem is, Basically, that the um, safety unions are. That I think that of all the legislatures, legislators in California, only three don't get massive contribution, campaign contributions from the safety unions. So I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot going on with respect to that. And I think it is a very much a systemic problem. But one we're being sensitized, we're sensitized to now, and maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can change it. Now, you were were on the city council from 2002 to 2006. You were mayor in 2005. How much has politics changed in the 15 years since you were mayor? Well, I think, you know, I I think right at this juncture we're much more, we're much more polarized, but, but I, it goes on, you know. There's, um, there is a tremendous desire to get power and to keep the power once you have it. And people are willing to go to extraordinary lengths to maintain the power they have once they have it. And I think, yeah, that's the beauty of our democracy, recognizes that. And it has to keep recognizing that. And, and yet, um, you know, the, there's... There are people who think that term limits are the way to address that, but yet you point out a flaw that that I always like to point out, and that is these other institutional things 
become more entrenched when the overseers, the elected representatives, come and go. You said it beautifully. (laughs) You know, that's totally right. And uh, so we have the tremendous powers of the, especially the public employee unions um, in our state, which um, which include the uh, all the safety unions and the uh, other unions as well, and also the a lot of the um, business interests and realtors and all these institutions are pretty pretty well entrenched. And you know, in our legislature, fifty percent of the bills are introduced by the public employee unions so it's uh, really? it's a big, big yeah it's a big balancing problem between the need to rotate our our politicians and the problem of entrenched interests uh, I, is now <laughs> is it true that you try to keep track of all the laws across america <laughs> It's not true, but <laughs> <laughs> but there are like forty thousand of them state laws passed each year, and <laughs> and you know, and once a law is introduced, it's like impossible to um, to change, and it's it, that's what politicians do. They pass laws. That's what they're elected to do. There was um, one one politician in our state, in our county, whom I actually like a lot. But his his campaign slogan was for years, "There ought to be a law," and he would invite all his constituents to write in all the laws that they wanted to see passed, and then we judged them by the number of laws they they pass so there <laughs> well i've i've always had the feeling mickey that um legislators very often when there's a societal problem whether it's the opioid crisis or um you know systemic racism whatever it is that rather than holding people accountable to enforce and obey the laws that exist they think by writing a new law, the problem goes away. Right. Again, you, you've nailed it. And and we pass laws in the wrong way. Um, for, exact, for example, our fracking laws. We should be saying to people, it, not that you can't frack, but that you cannot emit methane when you frack. We we should try and control the problem that the that the um, that the process that the process causes because like in the United States we have the finally become energy free. Do you know what that means? That means that we are not dependent on the Middle East for oil for our power, and that gives us at least the opportunity to not become involved in all these uh, wars that are 
uh, in the Middle East and in that troubled area of the world. So we should not be trying to reduce the amount of energy we produce. We should make sure that it's produced in a safe and clean manner. That's the way I'd like to see laws passed. Well, shouldn't shouldn't laws that we pass have a do no harm clause? That's it. Yeah, that would be. Seems, that be, seems like that yeah. would make it make it better. What uh, what prompted you to um, to write this book, Mickey? P- uh, Politics, police, and other Earthling antics. Well, I've been writing it. I've been writing it for a long time, and I was finally persuaded to put the collection together and into a book. And I'm, you know, I continue. Um, continuing to produce more of these things. Um, <laughs> I'm just writing a story now called Renaming of America. Should we rename the United States of America? Because I just found out from a, an article in the Smithsonian Magazine that Amerigas Vespucci, the man for whom we named the United States of America, he was a pimp in <laughs> <laughs> Italy. <laughs> and so I think we ought to consider renaming our country. <laughs> we, so anyhow, yeah. So it, it's just so much fun to write these stories, and of course, not all of them I put in the, in the first person, but they're not all first person. Um, they're not all first person incidents. Well, from your your uh, inner alien perspective, um, how how strange does it seem uh, the controversy over statues? Well, you know I, that's a you know that's a big issue. Um, I you know in in the renaming of America, I had them. I have a picture of them taking down the statue of Christopher Columbus in City Hall in in uh, San Jose. And, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus was a slave trader. And um, I think what I'd like to see is, I'd like to see, I mean, some of these statues are really offensive to people. And I can understand, I can understand wanting to take them down. But we're changing the name of the Lincoln School in in um, San Francisco. I, I don't I don't quite understand that. I'd rather see all the statues adorned with historic record around them. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, speaking of speaking of San Francisco, I'm. I'm so amused by the fact that there are, you know, they're going to be voting on something like 54 issues this year, <laughs> today. They <laughs> got 12 state ballot measures and 13 local measures and all the, uh, um, they had 33 votes this year, they had 54 votes in 2016. <laughs> and you know, and they are, they have no time limit in the voting booths, luckily. <laughs> they have, um, in, in 2016, they got to vote on um, whether politi- whether 
men in pornographic films have to wear visible condoms. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but you'd like to know how that turned out. <laughs> but, um, you know, so we were in the situation where sort of democracy has gone awry because nobody can have it. You know, these ballot measures and local measures, they're 30 pages long. You know, nobody... Well, Mickey, the book sounds like tremendous fun. Politics, Police, and Other Earthling Antics by Mickey Winkler. Mickey, we got to wrap it up, but um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and and about your uh, work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It's www.mickeywinkler.com. Well, that's easy. Mickey, yeah. thank you so much for uh, sharing some of these stories and uh, and your time with me this morning. It's been great fun, Tom. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. That was uh, Mickey Winkler. She served on the Menlo Park, California City Council from 2002 to 2006 and was mayor in 2005 and... Uh, claims as a politician she failed to do what almost all politicians do get reelected um, but uh, she had a lot of accomplishments while on the council and she has a uh, interesting uh, quirky sort of view of uh, the world of politics police and other earthling antics in a uh, new book written uh, from her inner alien perspective anyway um we'll be back Uh, we have to take a short break here but we'll be back with uh, the final segment of today's edition of the tom sumner program it is election day if you haven't voted be sure and get out and vote (coughs) excuse me (coughs) and we'll uh we'll be talking about it i'm sure tomorrow on armchair politics We'll be right back. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council.
Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. A master of Native American humor is Brooks Hayes of Arkansas, special assistant to the president and former representative in Congress. Here is Mr. Hayes before the Pennsylvania Political Science and Public Administration Association. I always feel at home with the teachers of government, although I'm not an expert in this field. I am a practitioner. I'm not afraid of experts. I um, was sitting by uh, a couple in Washington at a dinner party one night when the man who had just met the lady said to her, and you're Mrs. Post? And she said, yes. Mrs. Emily Post? And she said, yes. Well, Mrs. Post, you're eating my salad. (laughs) And, uh, uh, 
father was uh, himself a country school teacher, and in this connection, I think you'd be interested in what happened when he took the census in 1900, uh, asked an old man standing in front of his cabin in this uh, frontier country uh, his name. He said, I'm the enumerator, sir, and I need some information. What is your name? He said, Hearn, Randall J. Hearn. Father said, how do you spell it? Spell it yourself, stranger. I'm a non-scholar. <laughs> so, uh, uh, this, um, uh, this character, Randall J. Hearn, is not a fictional character. He is not legendary, as some members of Congress believe, because sometimes I would quote him in the Foreign Affairs Committee, and occasionally my chairman, Mr. Richards of South Carolina, would turn to me and say, what would Randall Hearn's opinion be on this proposition? And I knew he meant by that, what would, uh, what would the man at the grassroots think? What uh, would the non-scholar have to say about this problem? One of my Republican friends complained over the method adopted by the Democrats in a certain reapportioning problem. And uh, he was rather violent about it. He said, you Democrats are just not fair. Well, I said, looking at some of the things the Republicans do, I would say, you remind me of the country boys playing cards down in Arkansas. He looked over at his friend. He said, play, it. He said, play the cards fair, Reuben. I know what I dealt you. <laughs> Sometimes it is possible for a politician to extricate himself from political pressures, as uh, Claude Swanston said with his famous five rules, uh, the first rule being, when in doubt, do right. <laughs> you might be interested, incidentally, in those other four rules. I believe I can recall them. He said, uh, first, never buy your ticket till you hear the train whistle. Uh, second, always be strong for something nobody can be against. <laughs> uh, then the third one I've indicated. Fourth, never use one word if five will do. <laughs> Finally, always stick to your party. If the storm comes and uh, the vessel threatens to sink, move the ballast and try to save her. But if she sinks, follow the rats. <laughs> I rejoice in the trend these days, seeing an academician often leave his cloisters to enter the political arena. That's good. And uh, I think of some very notable careers that have come out of that response that you uh, sometimes make to the, the lure that is always present. But the little lady in England was asked, you know, who did you vote for? And she said, vote? Oh, I never vote. It only encourages them. <laughs> Because you believe in, uh, in precision and in uh, a scientific evaluation of party positions, you do not agree with the little lady who said, when she was asked about the difference between the Tories and the liberals, oh, she said the only difference is that the Tories think they're better born and the liberals just know they're born better. <laughs> And I think the book could be written on what the sweet little ladies in England say about politics, uh, or even in, uh, in Arkansas, because 
You may have heard the story of uh, the little lady who was voting for the first time when women were given suffrage, and she rode to the polls with her son, who could see she was quite agitated over the prospect of participating in this great experiment in government, government by consent of the governed, and that she went in to vote, that attitude of eagerness and anticipation was registered on her countenance. But when she came out and got in the car, it was obvious that she was disappointed. She was very solemn and grave. And as uh, they went home, he said, Mother, who did you vote for? She said, Son, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I looked at the ballot, and there were the names of such good men listed for these offices, such good men, um, such uh, fine, noble people. I just didn't have it in my heart to vote against any of them. I just wrote at the bottom of the ballot, God bless you all. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
following is a public service announcement. Election day is near. Go to the polls and vote. Vote for the Kennedy of your choice, but vote. That wraps it up for today's Election Day edition of the Tom Sumner Program. If you haven't voted, be sure and get out and vote. And I want to say thanks to all the people who participated in the show today, uh, starting with my guest this past hour, Mickey Winkler. And uh, what, a, what a delight, author of um, Politics, Police, and Other Earthling Antics. Also want to say thanks to... Uh, Author uh, Marty Laurent, uh, author of Hand Up, and uh, comedian and impressionist Jeff Richards for his visit, and of course early this morning, the author of The DNA of Democracy, Richard C. Lyons. Tomorrow it's Armchair Politics with a post-mortem on uh, today's election, if we're able to conduct one yet, and uh, also... uh, Chris Douglas, economist Chris Douglas, will be with us tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening. 